This is Retirement Talk. I'm Del Lowry. My mailman, grocery checker, and cabinet maker all have scars on their wrist. Repetitive motion, they say. Carpal tunnel syndrome seems to be all the rage. After playing the classical guitar for two or three hours each day for several years, my hands felt the pain and agony of something gone wrong. Was it carpal tunnel? Though threatened with a knife, I escaped the procedure. Personal experience and a strong resistance to surgery revealed a surprising analysis for me. Health decisions seem to mount as we move into our retirement years. We have to make lots of decisions. Sometimes we're faced with choosing between alternative treatments. What to do? Where do we turn for advice? Most of the time, we can readily agree with our doctor. Other times, it just doesn't feel right. We want a second opinion. My family doctor prescribed drugs to reduce the inflammation in my hands. I've always practiced a minimalistic approach to taking any sort of drug, and so I didn't take what was prescribed. Later, a hand specialist took x-rays and prescribed a different drug. Once again, I refused. Then a neurologist suggested yet another drug and pronounced the presence of carpal tunnel syndrome. He recommended surgery. Reluctant to accept the drugs or the surgery, I searched for yet another answer. Inquiries led me to a hand surgery clinic in Seattle where doctors examined hundreds of hands each month. I called the clinic and asked if all they did was surgery, as their name implied. I was assured that not all problems required surgery. Promised that I would just receive an examination, I drove the 90 miles south with high hopes. In the elevator, all the people had their hands in bandages. In the office were several patients waiting for their doctor. They all had bandages on their hands. Everyone had bled. I wanted to flee, but the long drive and my wife demanded that I see and hear the expert. Dr. John Sack appeared to be in his early 50s. He was tall with an athletic build and a gentle presence. He was in no rush. Looking at my chart, he asked me about my occupation or retirement, how I spent my time, hobbies, kids, wife, diet, physical activity, and medical history. He even inquired into my attitude towards life. As a former of teacher of philosophy, I particularly warmed to that question. My existential bent surfaced. I told him of the intensity with which I approached each day and yet accepted the absurdity of life. He told me a little about himself, his career choice, and his rowing on Lake Washington each morning. He gave me time and set me at ease. Then he put me through a series of hand gymnastics. Push here, pull there, he commanded. Do they hurt when you sleep, when you walk? He looked at my hands. Is there any pain at the moment? There was no pain. He handed me a small piece of paper and a pen and asked me to write. Write anything. It doesn't matter what it is. I only wrote three words, and the doctor and the nurse broke into loud laughter. They looked at each other, shook their head from side to side, and then laughed some more. 
They excuse themselves for laughing, and then ask me to continue writing just a little more. Reluctantly, I put pen to paper for just a few words. Sweat broke out on my forehead. Embarrassment swept over me. I sensed the analysis. The doctor shook his head and said that I had written enough. He explained that the laughter was because he had never seen quite such a severe example of my problem. It is textbook, he said, and went on. Dell, you're just not that important. You need to let up. You're going to press that pen right through the table. I'm surprised that you can play the guitar at all. The doctor gave me the medical term for my problem and said that it is commonly called white-knuckle disease. When I wrote on the paper, my knuckles had turned white instantly. My effort far exceeded that necessary. I grasped the pen too hard. I pressed on the paper too hard. The wise physician looked at my hands and saw clearly into my mind. The intensity with which I lived life had to be harnessed, reduced, or controlled. He advised me to go home and play my guitar. And even more importantly, he advised me to let up when playing music and when not playing music. On parting, he said, I should never see you again. You just need to relax. Within two weeks, my diastolic blood pressure had dropped 15 points. Many times during the day, I would give myself relaxation tests. I would focus on the hands and see if I could relax them more than they were. I always found them tense. They would be knotted while walking down the street, tight while I was washing the dishes, reading the newspaper, or driving the car. They would even be tight when I would wake in the middle of the night and give them a quick check. I began noticing the tenseness of my tongue, cheeks, back, and every place else. I'd never noticed this all-encompassing tenseness. It had become a way of life. Habits developed over a lifetime change slowly. It's been almost 19 years since my visit to Dr. Sack. Now my hands are relaxed as well as much of the rest of me. I felt stupid about causing so much grief to myself, but I felt good about refusing the drugs and the surgery. Treatment for a problem that is difficult to diagnose may miss the mark. Spinoza believed that the mind and body were one. In my case, pain attributed to repetitive motion was really a mind problem. Asking for a second, third, or even fourth opinion paid off for me. Dr. John Sack understood the complexity of the true art of healing. This is Retirement Talk. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions, contact Dell at retirementtalk.org.